0: friend and welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman, and I am just pumped to bring you this episode today on intimacy. But before we get into that, two announcements I need to give you. One if you are wanting to hang out more with me, you're wanting to hang out with other listeners of the podcast, you just want more episodes because I am not getting them out fast enough. You need to hop on over to patreon.com backslash Dr. Me First and become one of my first patrons. That's right. We're opening up the community for 10 bucks. It gets you in and I am so excited. Extra episodes, lots of conversation and a private Slack group. And it's going to be bangering. Second announcement, it's time for Women in the Wild. So if you're seeking an adventure, if you can get your butt to Indiana in May, you got a little bit of time. I think you need to come hang out with me. We got nine slots left and I'm super excited that we are going fishing. That's right. Have you ever caught a fish? Have you ever skinned a fish? Have you ever cooked your fish over the fire? Well, this is going to be one of the skills that we learn with Women in the Wild, in addition to sleeping under the stars, some wonderful, badass yoga, and some personal coaching with me. So let's get into this conversation with Dr. Alexandra Stockwell, talking about intimacy, and I'm going to talk to her a little bit about her new book, which has a gorgeous cover on it. Okay, well, not to spill the beans, let's get going. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. It is so great to
1: have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well,
0: tell me a little bit more about yourself. You're like an empty slate to me. I, I honestly did not look you up ahead of time. I just wanted to get to know you right
1: here and right now.
0: Okay. Well, I get
1: lots of different messages on LinkedIn and yours is the first and so far only one that I've actually responded to and it's led to an interaction. So this feels like a lovely win-win. I usually just like delete, delete, but it felt really good. So yes, I am a physician turned relationship and intimacy expert. I went to medical... Actually, I majored in college in math and philosophy and I was thinking about what I want to do. And at the time, I'd never been sick. It's all different now, but I'd never really had family members who were sick. And so I actually became a phlebotomist. And I loved that um, because I, I felt like I had real patient interactions because I had a needle in my hand. Anyway, then I went on to medical school and did residency training. So I had my holistic medical practice about seven or eight years I had three of my four children at that point. I'd paid off my med school loans. We were living in a nice house. I loved practicing medicine and I everything that I'd worked towards for a while, I thought I should have some sense of having arrived, some sense of fulfillment, because everything that I'd been aiming for was in place personally and professionally. And I did not have that feeling at all. It really was um, like a sense of, I don't think I would have had the nerve to call it hollowness or emptiness. It was really at the level of a whisper. I didn't have some dramatic crisis. There was no problem, but I just didn't feel like I thought I would feel after having worked so hard and done everything it took to put things in place personally and professionally. And that really caught my attention. And I also at this time had the experience, it really related to something on your website, where not necessarily in how I spent my time, but energetically in terms of where my mind was, I prioritized my patients over my family and certainly my family over myself. And obviously I didn't have a time management issue because I was able to get so much done. But I tried all kinds of things and I just couldn't get that right. And those two things combined, I just thought I can't continue the way I have been for another four decades. Like I'm going to end up, you know, depressed or totally burnt out. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there's one more thing to say too, which is that my daughter turned nine around this time. And she is this joyful, radiant, just wonderful, feminine creature at ease in her body and happy with her mind and her heart and just this radiant, magnificent being. And I remember on her ninth birthday, seeing that, and even though nobody knew Now I talk about it, but at the time nobody knew, but inside I just freaked out because I was clear that that was not how I was on the inside. And I think it particularly touched me because when I was nine, my parents were getting divorced. I had different things going on, but most of all, I was like, she's going to be living with me another nine years. There is no way she's going to sustain all this joy in life if i feel the way that i feel and i laughed i was not clinically or otherwise depressed but i just was not really alive and so the all these things together combined and i um dialed down my practice and i took a sabbatical although inside i knew that i probably was never gonna go back to practicing the way i had and i for the first time, started doing things without some really clear agenda about my goals and where I was headed and I did spiritual trainings and I danced and I went to the School of Womanly Arts in New York City and I went on a whole journey, which seven years later, I ended up really to my surprise i didn 't anticipate doing this at all. Uh, taking a fantastic training in sensuality and sexuality. Really for myself, it's like I'd explored all these areas of who I am and this was next, and it also was a coach training. And I was like, I don't even know what coaching is. Like, what is that? And so I went to the lab and I thought, oh, this this is what I love doing and what I went into medicine to do almost all of it, I can do coaching people on relationships.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. So much goodness with all of this. And I love how your journey has, you know, developed, like you said, into something you didn't even see coming. But when it happened, it sounds like it just resonated through your entire being.
1: Yes. And it's really related to my choosing the word intimacy because I, there's a lot i understand in hindsight that i couldn't have identified while i was actively practicing medicine and as and i was in family medicine so one thing that i would say now again in hindsight is that we are there with patients at such vulnerable significant times in their lives and It's normal as human beings, unless we're like ridiculously exhausted to be compassionate and supportive. And yet we have to hold so much of who we are back. It's like one way intimacy is a way that I would describe a lot of my medical encounters. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know routine visits or things like that. But, you know, when someone gets a cancer diagnosis or anything along those lines, you know, there we are needing to be kind, compassionate, and present. And yet we have to basically dial down a lot of our own emotional life in order to be present, both to be present for other people. And because of the nature of what we're dealing with, we can't really let go and truly feel it all. And what I have found personally healing is that in coaching, in a way that's still super professional, of course, I get to bring all of who I am to the table. And I do tell personal stories about my own life, other clients, and there's a way in which I feel more alive in terms of how I personally can be present with my clients as a coach. And it could be that if I went back into practicing medicine, I could get a lot closer to this in the context of practicing medicine, but that was not a context where I could actually learn how to be more whole, more fully present, bringing more of who I am for me. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to, be kind and present and compassionate compassion for, for the patient, but then I'm walking around intentionally numbing myself out for a good portion of the day in order to do my job well. It gets to be a kind of a, an emotional conundrum, which I think we don't really put attention on, but is a natural consequence of our training and our responsibility and our desire to do good work. Oh my gosh. I think the words that you just used really sum up a
0: issue that I've been wrestling with, with years is, gosh, and I wrote it down now because I think it's so, that intentional numbing that through medical education, through training, through practice, it's an expectation that you are there for the patient. You are there to be their physician you don't get to experience or you shouldn't experience any part of this interaction. And I think for me, that was probably one of the deepest wounds that I had that I had to work through myself and continue to work through a story that comes to mind as you're, as you're exactly talking about this. So I now work with family medicine residents because I want them to be like, don't do it my way. Like, let's mm-hmm, do this in a mm-hmm, different way. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with one of the first years recently after a really hard back-to-back office encounters I Said I don't want to cry right now, Dr. Wiseman. And I said, we're going to go into an exam room and that's exactly what you're going to do. And I'm going to sit there with you and you're going to, it's okay to feel this right now. You don't have to hammer on like you're caught up now. The nurse will tell tell your other patients, you know, it's Let's go do this. And I know that was meaningful for me to be the attending to say, no, 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 don't block this up. Don't put the gates up. Don't, you know, don't swallow back the tears. Like you can feel this and it's okay. And, you know, just being able to kind of be that it was kind of fun because I got to coach, but yet, you know, I'm tending to that. We have got to stop intentionally numbing. Like you said, there's a time and a place, like not in the middle of a trauma or in the middle of like a a critical situation. You know, you got to be on your A game. But afterwards, we need to really work through and process that rather than shoving it away.
1: Yeah. And you're reminding me one of the exercises that I did early in this journey after I'd taken a sabbatical when I first heard this exercise, I was like, that's so dumb. And maybe somebody listening will think that when I first say it, but it was actually one of the hardest things I've ever done. Mm, tell and me about was, it. Okay. it's um, like I can't remember now if it was three or four times a day. I set an alarm and just stopped and wrote down, I feel fill in the blank. And that is a right way to feel. Mm. And when I did that, I mean, right, just to be clear, this is in the context of I was a well-loved doctor, I caring mother, good marriage, like I was a totally functional woman. And when it came time to do that, I really had no idea how I felt. And so like I, when I first started, I would be like, I feel like it's time to do the dishes or, you know, I feel like I need to finish charts. You know, like my feelings were actually my to-do list. And I was like, those are not actually feelings. How do I feel? And it really was kind of like this maze that i didn't really know how to navigate to find what i think nowadays i'm 51 so this this process was probably 15 years ago not quite and nowadays we'd call this a kind of mindfulness practice but that wasn't really the term that was commonly used but just to learn to sit quietly enough and for me, it meant putting my attention on something that I didn't really know how to bring my attention to.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, too, in your journey, like tapping into that intimacy of self.
1: Yes, and this is the thing. I I coach some individuals, but I mostly coach couples, and I absolutely think the journey of really having a fantastic relationship is first and foremost one of doing individual work in the context of the relationship. And yes, I totally agree with what you said.
0: Well, I'm super interested. So we've had several physician coaches who deal with like love, sex, relationships, intimacy, that kind of realm. Tell me, tell me more about your work because I know even though there's similarities like, you know, I do transition and burnout coaching. I would
1: really love to hear about your intimacy coaching. Tell me more about it. Well, the first thing is that I think I really love the word intimacy. And one of the things I love about it is the meaning is a little mysterious because some people hear that and think it's a euphemism for sex. And other people hear the word intimacy and they're clear, oh, it's not sex. It's, you know, that's something emotional. And it really is The whole package. It's um, being present and connected with someone else in a way that's only possible if you're connected with yourself. But my main focus is on conscious partnerships. And my definition of a conscious partnership is one where both people use the relationship as a vehicle for personal transformation. And My other definition is that a conscious partnership is one where both people bring all of whom they are to the relationship, learning to both love and accept themselves fully and their partner. And when that happens, the most amazing emotional intimacy and ongoing depth and increasing passion over the years. Is the natural consequence, and I want to specifically place it in contrast to what I think is the most common relationship advice given perhaps worldwide, but certainly in Western countries, which is that in order to have a great relationship, you have to learn to compromise. And you know, any good marriage is built on compromise, and I just think that's completely not true. Any conflict free, passion free functional, looks good on the outside marriage might be built on compromise, but any relationship that really is juicy and dynamic and a source of nourishment and personal growth and where challenges aren't just managed, but are truly resolved, that requires being uncompromising and learning how to bring all of yourself in a way that your partner can receive and you can feel really good about.
0: I love this. So how long have you been doing this work? And then when did the book come out with through all of this?
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to, let's see. I, um, became a coach in 2013 and, as I said earlier, I took this sensuality and sexuality training and became a coach. And I was with people who were young, some had degrees, some didn't, many were polyamorous. They were all kind of, um, not, I guess no one was married maybe, or not children, anyway, people were living in fairly unconventional ways. And I didn't tell anyone that I was married. I've never married 24 years. And I definitely didn't tell anyone that I was a physician. And I just proceeded to learn with my peers being discreet about my life and my own values. And one after another, people would come up to me wanting to work on their relationships because my my coach training included more general coaching. and. What I'm saying is that while well, I went into it for myself, early on, it wasn't clear to me what my niche would be, but people just kept coming for exactly what I had to offer, but I had never told them. I just found that so interesting <laughs> that, you know, sure enough, they want to work on creating a long-term relationship not knowing why they were choosing me to do that work with. So we all communicate on this energetic level. It's amazing. So I've been coaching since 2013, and I've just recently written my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, which details the six steps to creating a conscious partnership, which I'll, I'll name what they are. They sound very simple, but in practice, It's actually very complex and nuanced. So it's cultivate curiosity, embrace honesty, be kind, choose happiness, take responsibility, and seek growth. And I start with cultivate curiosity because I think the whole experience of feeling in love is just filled with curiosity. You just want to know like everything about your partner, past, present, future dreams. And then as life happens, we feel like, oh, you know, I know him. I know her, you know, and we stop asking questions. And I think one of the simplest things to bring more vitality into a relationship is to ask open-ended questions and then sit and listen to whatever the response is. Mm -hmm. And to really hear it.
0: Well, I'm really intrigued and I'm really interested in reading your book. Now having talked to you and know all of your story and background with it, where's the best place to buy this?
1: It's available on Amazon, but an easy way to remember it is alexandrastockwell.com forward slash book. And it's available on Kindle and the print version. And I recorded the audio version, which honestly was one of the most challenging things I've done in my professional life. I thought it would take about three or four days and it took a month because there is no numbing out in an audible recording with a really excellent sound engineer. Uh, So I used, I referred to it as my recording studio therapy because there I really needed to be intentional because if I was the least bit numbed out in relation to my content, it diminished the message so i'm very That's proud of the audible recording
0: so did the sound tech like was he like snapping at you like we're taking a break you're numbing out
1: well he wouldn't snap at me but he you know there were some sentences or paragraphs where it took like 17 takes it was ridiculous but i'm really glad for the result but he'd say you're you're too in your head you're too in your head there or he'd say pretend you're talking to a friend or that sounds like you're reading too much. So to really have something, it's content I know inside out, I read it, I wrote it. Like, it's so familiar. It's like telling someone, you know, how to, you know, any kind of advice that we give on a frequent basis, but to have it, every word, every sentence really be in as though I'm telling it the first time with my full attention. It was, it was quite a journey to do that.
0: Oh, it sounds good. Maybe instead I need to get the audible then. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, You mentioned your website in your book. Is there any other places that people can connect with you if they're interested
1: yeah. I'm on, well, I do have a LinkedIn account. I'm not that active there, but I'm active on my uh, business page on Facebook and I'm going to be ramping up my Instagram. Love that it. Is I the love relationship. That's cat- fun. Yeah. It's a little counterintuitive still, but I'm going to master it. And um, my handle there is the relationship catalyst. Perfect.
0: I will get all of that in the show notes.
1: And I- just so
0: glad that I came across you on LinkedIn. And I'm also so glad that you read my message and decided it sounded all right. I wasn't scamming you.
1: That's right. It had just the amount of authenticity. Maybe it's the result of all of the work that you do, you know, with being present and honoring how things really feel because it came through and caught my attention. So I didn't just press delete.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to call you colleague and friend. Thanks again for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Erin.
0: Such a good conversation with Dr. Stockwell. I am just so glad that the LinkedIn gods blessed us and we connected. If you guys haven't gotten the show notes yet and looked at the link seriously, I think Dr. Stockwell's books is one of the best ones out this year. I know she just released it in February and I'm just so excited to be one of the first people that she got to talk to about it. But two things that kind of come out of our conversation today that I really wanted to highlight. One is that intentional numbing. We talked a bunch about it, but it still resonates with me about how through training, through practice as a, I would call it negative coping skill, we learn to numb ourselves. And I really love the exercise that she mentioned. And I'm going to challenge you today to do it three times a day. I want you to set an alarm at different times, different intervals that you stop and you write on a post-it note, I feel dot, dot, dot. And this is a right way to feel just to get you back in touch with how you're feeling. Recently, I've been doing a lot of feelings with my kids and it's amazing to me how creative that they've gotten besides just like happy, mad, sad, angry, tired, bored, That as we've been learning feelings and learning emotions, how even at their young ages, they're able to express that when they have the right words. So what I would encourage you to do is if happy doesn't fit, get your thesaurus out. Think of some other words. Search for the other words that are the correct descriptor in exactly how you're feeling to help you identify it. And then also feel it in your body. Literally. How does it feel when you're joyous? How does it feel when you're tired? How does it feel when you're overwhelmed? Because those can be clues to trigger us into what is really going on within us instead of just numbing it out, either intentionally moving on to the next room or doing it with food or some other activity. Because if we can become really aware, move from unawareness into awareness of what is really going on, you can get to the root cause of it a whole of a hell of a lot faster than if we try to like cover it up, pile things on top of it, duct tape fix it, and just glance over into the next thing. So try it out and let me know how it goes. And maybe if you're a patron Let me know how it goes in the Slack group. I'd love to hear about that. And I'll be starting threads on these different episodes in our new Dr. Me First Slack group from the Patreon so that we can talk more in depth about it in one-on-one. So join me in there. And of course, I'd always love to hear from any and all of you. And I'm especially so glad that we're going to be meeting on a regular basis from the Patreon group. So check it out. It's in the show notes. Check out Women in the Wild. Check out Dr. Alexandra's new book. And just remember, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse friggin' matters. Bye.